Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't respect anyone's baseball acumen. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. One on the way to swing it, a well hit ball to deep left field, and it is gone. Jorge Polanco with a home run about four rows deep into the seats in left. And the Twins take an early one to nothing lead. Top of the order, D.J. LeMahieu one for three. First pitch swinging, and he hits a ball high and deep to left center field. Marvin Gonzalez going to back at the wall. It's gone. Into the Twins' bullpen, a home run for D.J. LeMahieu. Munjo, there it goes to right. That ball, if it's fair, it is a fair ball. It's a grand slam. Didi Gregorius hit a grand slam that just stayed fair. Yes, indeedy. It's a grand slam, and the Yankees have a 7-0 lead. I thought Jonathan was going to stick with the positive highlights there. Starting off with a Jorge Polanco. I thought you were going to go positive. It's the only positive highlight you could find from the whole damn weekend is the Jorge Polanco I've been ripped for staying too positive with the highlights. Now I'm getting ripped for being too negative. There's just no reason. I never ripped you for being too positive. I've only ripped you for playing Bartman stuff. Actually, I Judd, still play Bartman. Stuff. Judd's got so the new no Homer Hanky on. You guys see this? Judd's actually. Yeah, why Judd, is he wearing it like a bib? Yeah, well, because uh, that's what happens when your baseball team spits up on itself. Exactly right. In New York, for wow. two games. I'm guarding against pitchers puking. On I saw that on Twitter, and I thought I thought we had crab legs in the TCL broadcast studios. I was excited. That. Love me some crab legs. No, here. it's uh, oh, no. This man. is no. This is it's for Cody Stachak. <laughs> I was going to say something. I'm not now. I just decided to remain quiet. Poll results. If you guys want poll results, this is the poll we did on uh, the Score North Twins show today. Uh, which poll did you guys do about whether I should get a uh, full back shoulder to shoulder tattoo of Chris Bryant jumping oh, into Anthony Rizzo's the arms? Is yes, <laughs> that's an obvious yes, Rami. It's a yes. You need that. Okay. No, this was from I, I said the tweet out before the Score North Twins show this morning. And I just said, all right, Twins fans, Game 3 tonight, are you pumped for Game 3, or are you more dejected by the losses? And not just the Game 1 and 2 losses, but just the 16 years of losing in the playoffs. Oh, now that's a a thing? All of a sudden, that's a thing again now. Going into the weekend, we're all saying, that's nothing. We don't care what happened 15 years ago. No, the (laughs) Twins were saying that. I very much care what happened 15 years ago. I don't think 15 years ago has any impact on why they choked in two games over the weekend against the Yankees. But now, guess what? This is actually Jake DePew uh, called in and gave his perspective this weekend on one of the Vetline shows. And I love what he said. 
said all week long, Rocco Baldelli and everyone in the Twins organization and Dave St. Peter came on our show and said the Slay of the Dragon thing. And everyone continued to reiterate, hey, history is over here. We are over here. That history has nothing to do with this year's Twins team. Well, guess what? Now that you're down 0-2, if you don't come back and win this series, guess what? Now you're a part of the history. Here we and are, what's that 15 bl- straight. What's that Blackhawks stat that you uh, tweeted out or gave yeah. me? If the Twins lose tonight, they will tie the Chicago Blackhawks with 16 consecutive postseason losses among the four major pro sports leagues in this country. Only the Blackhawks from 1975 to 1979 have lost 16 consecutive postseason games. They would tie an American record if they don't beat the Yankees tonight. So the poll results are, with that positive note, are you pumped for Game 3 or dejected by the losing? And 70% of Twins fans who voted, and I think it's up to like 1,000 votes, say, I'm just dejected. <laughs> just like... Such a wow, buzz kill Target over Field the is going to be electric tonight. <laughs> yeah, they're going to they're bring it tonight, aren't they? <laughs> Everybody's going to be just sitting on their towels. But can you? Bl- I, I can't blame fans at this juncture. No. I can't blame fans. It's been 16 years of this, and I think I think what fans are waiting for now is, all right, we'll show up, we'll we'll wave the hankies, and we'll make some noise, and it'll be kind of fun. But just beat the Yankees, and then there'll be some life for Game 4. I think that's kind of the point that we're at here. And it's not as much that they lost the two games, it's how they got smoked in both games that I think frustrates me. I didn't think they really got smoked in Game 1. That was, to me, that was, I know what the final score said, but I felt like that was a game that was that was within reach for most of the night. I agreed with what you were saying on Twitter, and I'm assuming on Ventline afterwards, which is, I don't know why you don't go to your big guns out of the bullpen in the fifth inning of a tie game, and then again in the sixth inning of a game where you're down one run. That made no sense to me, and Rocco Baldelli kind of took his team out of that game. But I felt like that that early on, that felt a lot to me like meetings we've seen between these two teams in the past of going back and forth and answering each other's shots, and then the Yankees pulled away at the end. But game two was obviously a blowout, and the Twins were never really in that one. I wasn't all that disheartened by what I saw in game one. Mm, I was. Here's why. Kyle Gibson, if you felt, so if if you're right, and the Twins and the fan base said, you're down by three, it's a band box. You're the Bomba squad. You're going to hit home runs. With, with Was it six outs to go, I believe? Yes. Yeah. You don't put Kyle Gibson in. So, ba- so basically what Baldelli was saying when he did that was, we're done for tonight. We'll come back in game two. Yes. That was a white flag. In, in fact, I'm, I am, unlike most, I'm willing to give him Zach Littell. All right? Didn't work out. Didn't work out. But the guy had been good. Okay. He's, he's your fifth best reliever. Yeah, to me, that's that was the biggest sin of the night okay. by Rocco Baldelli. But he got him out of there, brought in Duffy. Things didn't go great. But still, all right, okay. But then Stashek, I don't get but then you, he basically said, we are done. When Kyle Gibson took that mound, that was a white flag. So he was saying, the game's done, and you're down by three. And what got me is, before that game, your GM had stood on the field and explained to reporters that, that you are going to see top flight guys come in out of the bullpen down six runs because it's a band box. So the thinking there makes no sense. You go to Kyle, Kyle, who was, in my opinion, should not have been on the playoff roster, and you bring him in then, and he what walks the bases full, and then gives up a double, I believe, and that's it. 
Yeah. So it, that was frustrating to watch. If, if you play back the first two games now, and, 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 and by the way, these were first guesses too. I mean, like, Rami, you brought up Zach Littell being the biggest sin. Um, I think Stashak in that spot was probably the biggest sin. We could debate all this, but... I mean, it's 1A and 1B. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's where the that's where the game turned. But if you go back and replay just sort of the framework of those two games and the bullpen usage, in addition to the fact that your lineup hasn't scored enough runs against Which is another big, a pitching staff that they should be scoring runs against. We should talk about that, too. Yeah. You use Cody Stashak in a one-run game and Kyle Gibson in a still-winnable three-run game. Correct. And you've used Trevor May and Sergio Romo in seven-run gaps. Yep. And you haven't used Taylor Rogers yet. Yeah, this seems upside down. It is, and it's 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 almost like it's almost like a bunch of smart people got into a room and just completely overthought and paralyzed themselves for four days leading up to Game One. That's but the what, only thing I can think of. What do you put into this analytics machine that says I'm going to Stashak, Latell? And Gibson. Gibson in the most high leverage spots, and I'm gonna waste and I'm gonna waste these innings from Robo and May, and never even use Rogers. It doesn't make sense. Never even but use him in to, the first two games. What happened? Game, but let's go back to game two because game two. Okay, game one you screwed up. I get that. But game two, you have to win that game. You, you need a sweep or a split. There, it was, you need a split. It was game seven. It you, was game need, seven. I don't know a, about that. Well, but but before the game, I specifically asked. Rocco about the Dominic Odo decision. And he said, and he essentially said at the end of that answer that until you get to game five, I think they're all important. I think all games are important. Which I'm like, I don't really agree. But then what I don't get is, is in the third on Saturday, you are falling apart. Like it's coming unglued, but it's in slow motion. So it's not come unglued yet. Okay. Like you're watching it happen. Yeah. He, he Dobnak put eight dudes on base in two plus innings. And I didn't, and, and I, I first guessed that start, but nonetheless, you've got to hold this thing. Like you can't give up seven there, and you bring Duffy back in after he pitched the night before with guys who hadn't pitched the night before. Who you trust? And and I've thought about this. Rocco's answer post game does not track. It does not make sense. Rocco, I said to him, "Did you bring? Did you consider Romo or Duffy who hadn't pitched in game one?" Did you consider them in the third? I know it's early, which I said. I know it's Ro- early. Romo or May, you mean? No, no. Um, I, I'm sorry, Rogers. Rogers. Okay. I said. said yeah. I said. Did you consider Rogers or Sergio after Dobnik to get out of that? And he, his answer was, well, everybody was going to have to pitch at some point, and the next guy to come in was possibly going to have to go too. To which I did not respond, but probably. Should have is Taylor Rogers on rest has pitched two before, but the third uh, the third inning of that game when that was falling apart was of such high importance that I don't think bringing in your closer to try in a hail mary pass to get out of that is a stupid suggestion. No, I agree. I, I was you know Thad Levine came on the Score North Twin Show the day of Game One. You guys had Thad Levine on the day of Game One. And Rami asked the question at the very end of the interview. He said, hey, I know you're not going to tell us, but do you guys know who's going to start game two? And his answer was basically, I mean, kind of, we know, we've got a couple different scenarios. But then the second half of his answer, and I'm paraphrasing here, was we plan on being really creative in the way that we use and deploy our pitchers to get outs in the postseason. And he kind of inferred that it's going to be different than 
what you're probably used to in the regular season. And I guess creative is one way to describe the way that the Twins use their their pitchers in games one and game two, but creative in, in a bad way. And the only thing I can think of is they went into their brainstorming sessions leading up to the series and said, okay, this is a five-game series, and we need to sort of map out what's what's the best way we can deploy these pitchers over the course of five games so that we have the best chance to win three out of those five games. And maybe not accounting enough for, wait a second, game one is the most important of these games because if you don't win game one, you're not even guaranteed a game four or a game five. The series shifts entirely. And if you lose game one, game two isn't just one of five games. Game two is your season. And I just can't, I just can't get out of this. It, it, it's, it's almost like they thought five games. How do we spread this out? And didn't account for how important but game two was. I'm telling That's the you, only way I can deduce this. I'm telling both you guys right now before game two, Rocco talked about it like it was July the fifteenth, and I'm not kidding. I'm not being a smartass. I don't think I'm overstating this. He was like, "Well, not really a must-win game, and all games are important, and until you you get to the, I believe he called it deciding game, game five, but." He literally, and this can't be just him, right? It's got to be Falvey, Levine, the entire brass. Their interpretation of game two was, it'd be nice to get it, but. And I kept thinking, there's no but here. And by the way, you've got, you've got, and I I just want to make it very clear that I don't think Odorizzi is Drysdale or Koufax or Sabathia in, in, in his prime, okay? So just to be clear here, I'm not saying he wins that game. But don't you think, Rami, that he gives you the fighting chance as opposed to a guy who a year ago was, and God bless him, it's a great story, but driving an Uber car? You would think so. Like, and, I don't think I'm out of line here. And what were they saving those guys for if they weren't planning on going bullpen day in game two? That was that was what I thought was happening. Well, yeah, he's not going to Romo and Rogers and big innings or using those guys up. Kind of waving the white flag on game one. Tomorrow must be bullpen day or... At the very least, it'll be Odorizzi, right? No, it's Dobnak. That's the first thing he said when he got to the podium. It's Dobnak for game two. It didn't make any sense to me whatsoever, the handling of the pitching staff in the first two games of that series at all. And now, I don't. what are you doing for game five? If if we get to a game five, what is your plan for your pitcher in, in game five? Yeah, at, at, well, at this rate, it, it's so far away. It's a good. It's a legit question, though. It's yeah. It, 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 it's to a me, good question. You figure it out. You, you whatever you have to do tonight to get a win tonight, and then whatever you have to do tomorrow night. But, but it, it's probably going to be like Devin Smeltzer for three. What I'm saying or is, you needed a win pretty badly in game two. You called it game seven. I wouldn't go that far, but you needed a win pretty badly in game two. You're going to need a win even more badly if you get to a game five. And you just burned any chance you had of using one of your two best pitchers in the fifth and deciding game of this series if it gets that far. You're going to go bullpen day when your whole season's on the line if you push this thing to a game five? If you pull that off and come back to force this thing to a game five, you're going to have to go bullpen day or run Dobnak out there in front of, Yan- in front of that Yankee Stadium crowd again? Yeah. But you know what? We've spent like most of the first 10 or 15 minutes on the bullpen mishaps and, and the weird process. The, but the major headline reality here is, especially on Saturday, the Yankees ran out Masahiro Tanaka on Saturday. Masahiro Tanaka was pretty damn good in the first half of the season. He has a five and a half ERA since May 28th. He's one of the worst starting pitchers in baseball 
since May 28th, and you couldn't get a whiff off that guy on Saturday, you're the Bomba Squad. You looked hopeless. You're the greatest power-hitting team in the history of baseball statistically, and you can't score runs off that guy? The Yankees have decided clearly they're not giving any fastballs to hit. This entire series, they're not going to give you any fastballs to hit. It's just not going to happen. And the Twins played right into the, that yeah, strategy by swinging a, and missing and being too aggressive. And Eddie Rosario, for God's sakes, like, like stop getting wrapped up in them chanting your name. He's, and But he's batting cleanup again tonight, and Rocco won't change it. God bless you. I understand that you're patient, Rocco, but at some point in time, don't you say, and Rosario, his his last strikeout of Game 2 was embarrassing. That pitch was above his head. And sure enough, tonight, Comes back, batting fourth. Same thing. Yeah, the lineup, by the way, is is Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, Nelson Cruz, Eddie Rosario, Mitch Garver, Luis Arise, Miguel Sano, Marwin Gonzalez, and Jake Cave in that order. And Kepler is a shell of himself, which is not yeah, surprising. He's, he's banged up. He is a shell. Of, he, he looks impacted at the plate, too. Yeah. Like, he's struggling, but he's also, his arm or something is screwed up. Can you tell, like, like the the venom? The venom here is not just they're down o two in this series. The venom is it's been sixteen years. But don't of you this. also like, we, sort we, of yeah, they're feel down, we wear this? They're down o sixteen. Yeah, it's but, not o two. It's o sixteen. But don't don't you also? I I feel sort of dumb though because I said it's going to be different and they're going to compete and it's going to be close and they might lose but they're all going to be close and or it's going to be let's say fourteen thirteen. And you guys, those first two games, you watched them and you're like, really. And game game two on Saturday, I have not covered a more embarrassing Minnesota sporting event than that since uh, Kyle and I were at the Eagles-Vikings conference title game in 2018. That's as embarrassing. That game, the third got done, and I never once said to myself, okay, the Twins are a prolific power team, and you know what? They're going to come back and score about eight runs. I never said that once. I said, they're dead. They look dead. They played dead. They were dead. Uh, are you guys? I feel dumb. By the way, we can open up phone lines here too. If if you guys have dissenting thoughts here, if you're a Twins optimist right now, and you think we're being too hard on the Twins, or if you just agree and want to pile on six five one six four six eight two five five six five one six four six eight two five five. Judd's got his Homer hanky, there we go. the there red one. He's waving it around. Keep him going without tying him up there. <laughs> yeah, you got to um, keep it above your head. I can't do that. Let's actually go to the phone lines right now. Good. Woodbury, Larry, you're on with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. I pissed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here, here's the question. Did the fans, the media, and maybe even the Twins themselves buy a little too much into the September 14th doubleheader sweep using the bullpen in which they gave up only two runs in 18 innings or whatever it was? Did we put too much stock into that? And really think that you can go into a playoff series with one and a half starting pitchers and even have a sniff? Uh, well, no, I no, I don't necessarily think so. But I'll and I, I see where you're going with this. I think their biggest mistake from a bullpen management standpoint has just been if you're going to do it, commit to using your best relievers. Period. If you're going to do it, why would you do it without using your bet? Why would you do it with your sixth best guy, a rookie? Like, and I get that it's, it's not like the Twins are dripping with playoff experience, but 
you know, Cody Stashak in a one-run game at Yankee Stadium against Kyle Gibson lineup, in a three-run like, game. Think's going to happen? We've seen Gibson before. He's Kirk Cousins. But I don't think that this is that the Twins were some sort of paper tiger in the regular season, and we were all buying a false bill of goods. This is a much well, especially offensively, a much better team than what we've seen in these first two games. And I think from a pitching standpoint, we don't know if the results are any different. But we all have a pretty good feeling that you're giving yourself a better chance by running Romo or Rogers or May or Duffy out there first instead of Stashek and and I'm already and Zach Littell. Zach Littell. Poor Zach Littell. It yeah. it boggles my mind. All right, let's go to uh, this is great. This is turning into Twins vent line right now, pregame style. All right, Butch, let's let's get it all out of our systems because. The Twins still have a Game 3 tonight. The series is not over yet. You can hear that Game 3 right here on Score North on AM 1500. Post-game vent line. line. Rami, (laughs) good luck in the cockpit for that tonight with Doogie. Butch, St. Paul, fire away, man. Well, first of all, it is over, but... I'm still shocked that you guys actually thought we could go into New York with Dubnik and all these other minor league arms in a playoff. Dubnik's the wild goaltender. You're not wrong about him not being good either. (laughs) In a playoff atmosphere and actually compete. I mean, seriously, you know, these guys want to follow a winning model. Look at Houston. Who do they get? Verlander, and then they go get the guy from Arizona this year. What uh, Greg? But he was terrible today. Greg actually got they smoked go, today, by the way. Yeah. yeah, they get pitching though. Agreed. In playoff, you Mac, you know this. Playoffs are about pitching, not hitting home runs. I mean, seriously, it's, no, it's, it's, about, it's about hitting home runs. It's about both. It is. I said coming oh, into the. On. I said coming into the series, the team who pitches better out of the bullpen and hits more home runs will win. Now the Yankees have dominated every facet of this series: starting pitching, relief, defense, hitting home runs, getting guys on base, better at bats. They've dominated every facet. I really believe if we were sitting here today and the Twins had more home runs and a better performance out of their bullpen than the Yankees, we're talking about at least a split. In, in New York, starting pitching and defense never was the strengths of this team, wasn't going to be the strengths of this team. And guess what? That wasn't the strengths of the Yankees either. These two teams came in knowing that they were going to have to pitch well out of the bullpen and hit home runs to win the series. And that's what we've seen through two games. Butch, thank you for the phone call. Um, to what was his first point? Because he brought up two points there, too. And I can't remember what the first point was, but this, but you just answered the second point. And I, it's, I mean, obviously, it's about scoring more runs than your opponent in whatever way that manifests. But here's my question: nine to seven or two to one? It's it's your, on you. Your offense has has in the first two games let you down. Okay, it just has. They scored six runs. That's not nearly. They they should be if you're actually going to win three of these five games and you had one win right now and we're playing well, you probably should be averaging if you're the Twins eight runs per game or something like that. Seven mm-hmm. runs per game. Okay, but that's that's a problem. And that will cost you ultimately the series, and I get that. But for the purposes of of what we do, let's focus again on what we talked about at the outset of the show, which is the usage of pitching in that bullpen. That's what Rocco is doing here. In I'm sure in um, in lockstep with Falvey, Levine, and that crew is really weird. It's not creative. It's not very smart. And and it's full of of not coming back and being like oh that 
Barrios wasn't good. And but by the way, Barrios, four innings on Friday, one earned run, three runs. Guess what? I told you guys this on Thursday and Friday. I'll take that every time. But their decisions are bizarre. And these are smart people who who we all thought, okay, playoffs against the Yankees are going to get creative. And they haven't even come close to scratching the surface of creativity. No, they've gotten way too creative. Yeah. That's the problem. Okay. No, but, but no, but they've stuck with they've stuck with what they did in July in Detroit. This is what they did in July. Okay, real quick here for, I remember what the callers what Butch's first point was. It was did you really think they could go into New York in a playoff atmosphere and win games, okay? Two two things. This is baseball. It's not football. Where the Gophers roll into Ohio State and there's zero percent chance of winning that game. This is baseball where the worst teams still win sixty games out of one sixty two. Where the worst teams are still a six and ten football team and the best teams are a ten and six football team, okay? This stat, credit to the Athletic Minnesota. The Twins and the Yankees, historically, the Yankees are 15 and 2 against the Twins in playoff games since 2003 and 36 and 47 against all other teams. Why is it that all other teams over the past 15 years are 11 games over 500 against the Yankees in the playoffs and the Twins are 2 and 15? <laughs> Why? It's ridiculous because- even if the Twins run out a bullpen crew like you should never lose that many games against another baseball team. I did ever. see it though. I saw I saw it in two games with my own eyes. I saw a lot of guys get instantly flustered by the, the environment, and there was no denying it. Rosario was a mess. The poor pitchers looked like Dobnik. I mean, Dobnik kept saying after game one, "Bring it on! I love it." And you're like, "No, dude, you don't know what you're asking for here. Get out, get out there, and tell me that." Well, then the only way. But you're you- right. That stat is incredible. But whatever it is, I just I go back to give yourself every chance. If the hitting goes dry, and it did, all right, you can't control it, I guess. But you can control who's pitching, and you can control when, and you can control those decisions, and you elected to control them in a way that I can't explain for you. I can't help you out here. Yeah. So, hey, if you want to chime in, there's Mackie and Jeb with Rami, but it's also Twins Vent Line right now. We're getting it all out of our systems before the Twins paint on a blank canvas at Target Field tonight. First pitch at 740 right here on Score North. AM 1500 is your spot for Twins playoff baseball and just October baseball in general. 651-646-8255 if you want to chime in with Twins-related thoughts here. Let's talk about Federated Mutual Insurance Company here briefly, however. Federated, which was named a top 150 workplace by the Star Tribune for the second year in a row, just shows you how great the culture is, how great the people are. Federated Insurance is also committed to helping serve the community as well. Now, over the past 15 years, Federated and the Federated Challenge have raised over $35 million for big brothers and big sisters in Minnesota. They bring that same culture of service and community to helping your business. So if you're a business owner out there, Federated Insurance is a place to get to know. You get more than just a policy. You get a face-to-face relationship, and you get over a century of experience in helping businesses become and stay successful. Minnesota-based company, down in Owatonna, and if uh, you own a business, call your local Federated Insurance marketing representative today or just visit the website it's federatedinsurance.com and it's Federated's business to protect your business. 
Join Mackie, Judd, and Rami this Wednesday night at Stella's Fish Fish Cafe from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. in Minneapolis for a special live podcast recording. Hang out with the guys and our friends from Tullamore Do Whiskey as they talk playoff baseball, Vikings football, and more. This is That's this Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at Stella's in Minneapolis. You know, we obviously don't get to pick who we play. It certainly looks like it'll be New York. We understand the, you know, the, the, the history. Uh, that's my history. It isn't Bracco Baldelli's history. It certainly isn't Nelson Cruz's history. So I, I think that'll be overblown. But organizationally, I, I just say it's time to slay the dragon, right? You know, so, um, I, you know, we look forward to the challenge. I love that he said it. I love that he said it. And it's the right attitude, but. It's so easy to be thrown right back in your face. I saw Ken Rosenthal wrote something, kind of throwing it back in the Twins' face on The Athletic today. Do you guys think, and a question for the audience, too, 651-646-8255, do you think it's fair to put the history into this conversation as much as we have? Because I do. I think it's fair. I think it's fair to say the fans wear the history, the organization wears the history, and even if Rocco Baldelli and Nelson Cruz don't wear the history... They will if they don't beat the Yankees in this series. They're a part of the history if they don't win right. this series. Like I don't think it's being overblown like Dave said to us a week ago. I what think do you guys think? I, I think it's absolutely fine for everybody, including the fans especially, to be like, okay, beat them. Yeah, you you've never beaten them. You've got to beat them. It's been 16 years. Do it, do it, do it. Um, I think it's also a smart move. And the correct move for people like uh, Cruz and Marwin Gonzalez and that whole group and and. Rocco and Falvey to say, no, that's not us. We didn't do this. But you know what? Then the flip side, the next step is winning. It's winning it. So if you don't, those first two games, I saw nothing to say that, that there is a definitive line drawn in the sand of this is different. I didn't. You gave up seven runs in the third in game two. You made questionable decisions in, in who pitched. Your, your Bomba squad, which was, you know, 307 home runs, right? The most prolific home run single season team of, of all time hit three solo home runs in game one, and that's it. So, so if the Twins lose tonight in game three and, and it's done, guess what? Everybody in that clubhouse is right in the pool with the Morneaux and Mowers. It's now on you, too. So I think going into a series when, when it's been essentially since uh, 2010 that you played the Yankees. In the playoffs, I think it's absolutely fine. It's probably smart to be like, that's not us. But if you go out in three, it is now. It's now, it's now you too. Phil, you brought up a number last week and you you didn't have the exact number. You said their win percentage against the Yankees in this time is something like if you had won 50 games in a season. Going back to 2002, I found the number. The Twins are 37 and 102 against the Yankees, including 2 and 15 in the playoffs. Think about that. Think about that. What? How yeah, does that dude, even happen? Dude, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. It's not possible. Except it's reality. I I don't even understand. And 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 just, you know, this is those numbers are mostly really good Twins teams too. So from now they had a they had a slip up from 2011 to 2017 they were mostly a dumpster fire, but from 2000 those first 10 years of that number and the last few years of that number the Twins have been really good. So the Twins have been really good for like two-thirds of that time period. And there are teams, the Detroit Tigers this year, are completely 
overmatched by the rest of Major League Baseball. And they played a better winning percentage pace against the league than the Twins against the Yankees. Are you not depressed enough yet? Because I have another number. Wow. We might let's get it all out of our system here. Not including Johan Santana starts. In the other thirteen playoff games that they played against the Yankees in that stretch, the twin starters are 0 thirteen with a six five seventy RA, forty eight total runs allowed in sixty three innings. Yeah. Yeah. And in game two what? you started an Uber driver. Yeah. That was your answer. <laughs> Thanks, Rocco. You started a guy who a year ago would have picked me up at the corner. At Yankee Stadium and taking yeah. me home. And you would, you would have given him a five-star rating. Yeah, I do that, too. For sure. I do that. you, you got to be really bad. I didn't have a problem with the Uber driver starting in game two. I, I just did. like it didn't, it didn't bother me as much as it bothers you. After I saw Littell and Stashek peed down their pant leg on, on Friday night, <laughs> and make no mistake, unfortunately, they did, I said to myself, this stage is going to be too big. Yeah. This, is a, this is a huge ask. And Rami's right. Everything in common sense said... Start Jake, and therefore, like you said, if it goes to get five games, you can start him again. Yeah, when you lost game one. That's a great point. I love that point. It You were going to have to go four to win this thing. You have Barrios loaded for game four on short rest. If it goes to game five, you just took your second best pitcher out of the equation for what will be the biggest game of your season and your whole season on the line. Winner take all. Loser go home. And you're going to have bullpen day? Or go back to the Uber driver? Bullpen day. That's, that's crazy. Bullpen day sounds like some kid's adventure. Do you prefer Johnny hey, Holstaff? Hey, kids, it's, it's bullpen. No, it's bullpen day. Oh, goody. Pretty Mr. Mackey, it's bullpen day. 651-646-8255. Thomas, you're on the Mackey and Jeb with Rami show. Hey, guys. First time, long time. Uh, just wanted to say I think that it is fair that this team is held um, against the same regard as the past Twins teams. Similar to, you know, this Yankees team is held against the same expectations as the other successful Yankees teams. It's kind of what you sign up for, and it's why you're there. And, you know, you have to deal with the past. You might not like it, but those are the questions that they're going to have to to deal with and answer with, especially after tonight. Yeah. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, right. guys. Yeah, thanks. Thank I mean, it's, I, let's, let's just take, let's roll through a couple of calls. There's some good points brought up by Thomas. Uh, Nathan and St. Michael, you're on the show. This is effectively a Twins pregame show. You can hear the game right here on Score North in about three hours from now. Definitely. First time caller here, Nathan. And uh hate to quote a New York Yankee, but I think Rocco Baldelli should begin his little speech in the clubhouse tonight with, uh, the future isn't what it used to be, Yogi Berra. <laughs> and uh, also that it ain't over until it's over. And if we get uh, Odorizzi coming out there tonight, and he's shaky at all, I know he's got 15 wins under his belt, but uh, if he's having problems, you talked earlier about being creative with the lineup and putting pitchers out there when you want to put them out there. So why not throw out Taylor Rogers? If this is our last game, let's shut him down. Let's get that momentum going with the Bumba squad and uh, be full so far ahead. I was at that game when they uh, pulled ahead 14-12, and uh, I think it was July 22nd. And uh, we lost that game, but you know what? It's a new day. That is that's optimism reigns right there from Nathan and St. Michael. I do think it's huge. I wouldn't start Taylor Rogers if that's what he was alluding to, but I do think it's huge to get off to a fast start tonight. And Jake Odorizzi needs to do what the Twins haven't done for two games now, and that's attack the strike zone and take your chances against a very good Yankees lineup. Yes, you put it in the strike zone. There's a good chance that they can make you pay for it. As good a chance as any lineup in the league that they're going to make you pay for it. But we've seen that trying to trying to you know 
paint the edges is not working with this Yankees team. They're laying off all that stuff and waiting for you to either walk them so they can put a crooked number up on the board or they're waiting for something to go over the plate so that they can swing at it. You're not going to fool these guys. You're not going to get them swinging at bad pitches. Jake Odorizzi needs to come out, have a quick first inning, and the Twins need to get on the board for themselves and for the crowd. Because from what I'm hearing, other than that last caller, that is not going to be the most energized target field that we've ever seen tonight. I, I, I can tell you exactly what the vibe's going to be at target field tonight. And I'm looking for, I'm, I'm going to sit in the seats as a fan to watch this game. And I'm, and I'm, I'm a hundred percent right on this. Tell, tell me if you disagree, Judd, having been at many of these types of Minnesota sports events before. There's going to be initial energy because, hey, it's a playoff game. Everyone's, everyone's packed in, uh, seven, four, a little bit later start time. So there's going to be more people in their seats for the start of the game. And people are going to be ready to rock right away. There's going to be things on the screen that prompt you with your Homer Hankies. But as soon as the Yankees strike first, or as soon as the Twins go down in order or don't score runs in the first couple innings, the initial energy of the stadium is going to turn to a classic, nervous Minnesota sports energy the rest of the game. That's what it's going to feel like. Do you think it's going to start off confident? Yes. Yeah, I think it's going to start off. First playoff game at Target Field in nine years. Like, There's going to be an initial energy out of the gate. Here, here's what I want. beautiful fall day. I'm not going to ask for much here, but I saw it for two games, okay? Show up confident, including the team. Show up like you think, you know what? We're a good team. We belong here. Like the twi- like this whole thing of of and it's it's the fan base, it's us, it's everybody here. We sort of cower back. You know how they show up in Yankee Stadium? Like we're going to win. And they intimidate everybody. They intimidate visiting fans. Yeah. They intimidate visiting players, but it works. And it's not because the state it's not the old stadium. So it's not because they of that. They intimidate visiting media. Are you intimidated? No, I love those people. Okay. Are you kidding? I drink right. with those people in a second. <laughs> but but they're but you'll drink with anyone. Show but. show up with a confidence. Everybody show up with a confidence. A swag. Yes, we and Robbie's right. We lack sports swag in this town. And Robbie's really right do. though. Odor is he? Go out there in the first and completely shove. Get out of there. And then you know what? There's no rule that says you can't score eight runs. I want to see a Nelson Cruz three-run homer slam the bat into the ground, scream something into his dugout, and yes. let's go. Something and primal. That's what I'm looking and for. If I'm not mistaken, in game one, I Foaming believe at the mouth. when Giancarlo Stanton walked, he did exactly that. He took his bat and chucked it to the ground like bleeping right. I walked right. He walked! That's right. I laid off a slider. I love that. Yeah, time in my I career. love that. And, and that's the other thing, too, is if I'm Rocco, I'm going to the home plate up before the game, and, I, and I'm going, I'm going to say my guys tonight are going to work the count, and I don't want any any bleeping called strikes close. So tighten it up. Yeah, you're. And by you, the way, you just nailed it. I've got a conspiracy theory here too. Oh, I now let's say I now know I now know how this whole thing worked when it comes to the New York Yankees. Okay, let's come back. And with, I'm not kidding. Oh, a Judd conspiracy I theory. Hear this. When we come back, I like it. Mark, Chuck, John, we don't take a ton of phone calls usually on this show, but today is a day for venting. Let's get it out of our system. Let's flush it out. Lay on the couch. Tell us what you're thinking. How you feeling? I'm Davenport. It's Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the only Score North and the Score North mobile app, and we are your home for playoff baseball, Twins playoff baseball. Ideally, tonight's not the last one, but if it is, you can hear it right here on AM 1500. Score North is Minnesota sports anytime, anywhere. And uh, one of the main sponsors of our show is Luther Brookdale Toyota. We appreciate their partnership going back 
a number of years and a place that my family has been quote unquote partnered with going back about 30 years or so. And hey, gearing up this weekend, going to take a little, uh, whether the twins are in the ALCS or not, I'm going to take a little uh, road trip about five or six hours and pack the RAV4 XLE for the first time. And I'm actually really looking forward to a road trip in that thing. It'll be the first one that I take. And I just, it's the best combination of spaciousness like an SUV, but also the handling and the feel of more of a Camry or a Corolla and the safety features that are just state-of-the-art and give you peace of mind even if you're, uh, you know, a little bit too close to a semi. Your car will give you a little nudge and tell you, hey, got your back. Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard. Stop in, open until 9 o'clock tonight if you need to get away from the baseball game. If it's not going well, just go in for a test drive. And uh, don't take out your frustrations in a... In a vehicle there. I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't wanna encourage that. But go go check one out. Again, six ninety four Brooklyn Boulevard, Luther Brookdale Toyota. Time for the score north download. Jonathan here with this hour's download. It was a pretty nice day for Kirk Cousins yesterday against the Giants and the Vikings twenty eight ten wins, putting up twenty two of twenty seven for three hundred six yards. Uh two touchdowns, both of them to Thielen. There's third and four. Cousins with time. Into the end zone for Thielen. Touchdown. Vikings have put up some big plays. His Cousins to the end zone. Thielen with the catch. Touchdown. A 69.1 QBR for Cousins yesterday. Vikings fans, what did you think of his performance? Bouncing back from a disappointing game the week before and then having to deal with all the media... I guess, created according to Adam Thielen, controversy over the week. Let us know your thoughts on Kirk Cousins' day yesterday against the Giants over at Score North on Twitter, at North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Joe with Rami. All right, thank you, Jonathan. We'll check in with our guy Tom Pelosero in like 10 minutes from NFL Network. Some Viking stuff to get into, but we're mostly just fixated on the Minnesota Twins, and Jeb was out there this weekend covering the games for scorenorth.com and checking in on the Score North Twin Show, Ventline Edition, which you can find you can find the game here on Score North, AM 1500 tonight, and then right after that's over, after five hours, however long it's going to take, Rami and Doogie taking your phone calls late into the night. But Judd, you said you had a conspiracy theory. Yeah, should, should we get to the calls first and, and then circle back with my conspiracy theory in the second hour? Or do you want wow. the conspiracy theory? that's th- a long well, I, tease. Oh, I don't want the callers to have tease, to hold dude. because they're no, I think, bound I, and determined events. So. I, think, I think for people who just hung around, okay, all right, all right, they're going to want some Judd conspiracy theory okay. action. Fire it up. Oh, sorry. I wasn't ready. Fire it up. That's my fault. I, I'm so mad about the twins. And I just, Come on, Rocco. Fire it up. Right. I'm Randy Dobnik. I want to pitch. All right. The New York Yankees, gentlemen, as we know, for years and years have been called the Bronx Bombers. But I don't think Yankee fans embrace that now. Like, you know, I don't see a lot of Bronx Bomber shirts, right? Like Bomba Squad taken off. All right. Do you guys remember when Aaron Boone, when that umpire blew that call and Aaron Boone came out? Was that July or so? And we got the tighten it up. Yeah. My guys are bleeping savages out there. Yep. And if you recall, there was this whole thing about that was really crystal clear. Like ordinarily, the mics don't pick that up. And was he mic'd or how did they like? Because it, it was you couldn't miss any of that dialogue. Yeah, and like how would that leak out? Right? Yeah, but I mean, mysteriously, it got out, and it got out in everything was crystal clear. There was nothing like did he say savages? He, he said, you know, my guys are bleeping savages. Yeah. 
Anyway, not surprisingly, walking to the stadium on Saturday, every Yankee um, merchandise booth had bleeping savages, tighten it up. Uh, the, so, savages is their bomba squad now. My conspiracy theory is this. None of that was a mistake. In, you think the in, heat- Aaron Boone, Aaron, listen, Aaron Boone worked where before? Yeah, yes, man. Exactly. He's a smart guy. He's a smart guy, a marketing guy. He knows enough that if you went to him, I'm not saying he did this on purpose. I'm saying somebody sat down and said, Aaron, umpires miss calls all the time. Most of these guys, or lots of these guys, are just guessing. Balls and strikes, right? Next time a guy guesses and it's blatantly bad, I want you to go out there and here's what I want you to say. You think it was scripted? I, you I think I it went that do. far that it was scripted? He worked for ESPN. He's smart and he's good at the job. All I'm saying is Bomba Squad w- was an organic Eddie Rosario. Oh wow, that caught on. Aaron Boone goes out there. I would I would I would laugh at what I just told you guys except for one thing. It was so crystal clear. And I don't think I've heard anything as crystal clear since that was picked up by, I believe, a parabolic mic that just happened to be in the right place at the right time for one of the great rants that's well, that that has allowed the Yankees now to patent and market merchandise that is going like hotcakes. I don't think it's a mistake. Yeah, and, and you're so you're saying the Yan- the, the Yankees marketing of their lineup has even trumped the Twins' marketing Correct. of their lineup. And in performance, obviously, it has Correct. trumped it. And I would not say that if it leaked out and pe- people were like, he said this, and then it got printed up, I'd be like, okay, I sort of get that. But we all heard it perfectly. And now you've got Savage's, my guy, my guys are bleeping, which is on T-shirts. Do you think they were planning a seat in umpire's heads, though, for later in the slate like, for ways. right now? I think it helped both ways. But well, what I'm saying it, is the, pub- the public angle of it getting out and us all hearing it and being like, that was pretty cool, that was also as much for the merchandise that they can now sell. I think, I don't know if it was a conspiracy or not, but I know, I, I agree for sure with what Rami just said, which is Aaron Boom wasn't just doing that for that umpire. Absolutely. He was doing it for all the umpires. And I'll preface what I'm about to say with they did not lose either of those games because of umpiring. However, you notice there is a bunch of close 50-50 type calls in important spots where a Yankee hitter would get the benefit of the doubt. The Yankee hitter would get it'd be a close little 2-1 pitch on the edge, and then all of a sudden it's 3-1, and one, and it probably would be 2-2 two and two if the game was being played at target field. Like That was definitely a thing in game one and two. And if these were three to two contests or better, probably eight to seven contests, I think it would be a talker today. I think, I think umpires being afraid of that moment and Aaron Boone coming out and putting them on YouTube with a tightened up moment and in that stadium, and the fans on top of home plate. I I think if the game was closer, it would have been more of a talker because. And Boone's point was, my guys, if my guys don't swing, ergo, it's not a strike. You can't call that a strike. And the Yankees, it, it's annoying at first because games last for a long time, but the more I watch their, their at-bats, the more I just flat out become impressed because they'll take anything. And the reaction of that umpire, when Aaron Boone berated him on the field, it was it was like it, he came as close to saying, yes, sir, sorry, sir, yeah. <laughs> as an umpire sure. can come when a, when a manager is, is just dressing him down in front yeah. of Yankee Stadium. I don't... Like, when did... 
When did umpires get so soft? You know what I mean? What happened to the umpire who's barking at guys in the dugout who aren't even out, out on the field yelling them? Now they're scared? No, no, it's, it's because of K-Zone. It, you know what? It's because when that umpire is being berated by Aaron Boone, that umpire knows that he's the only one in the entire stadium and among people watching on TV that doesn't have access to the actual answer of whether it was a ball or a strike. <laughs> he knows that Aaron Boone has access to his report card while the game's going on. So... 15, 20 years ago, if you're an umpire, you can say, get the bleep out of my office. I'll call the balls and the strikes. Now it's like, uh-oh, you're probably right. I probably did blow some calls because you've got K-Zone in the dugout, and I don't, right? And you've got a T-shirt, too, now. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing, too, you know, Jeb brought up the fans inside, you know, the, just how much swag Yankees fans have. They're chanting Uber driver at Randy Dobnak. They're mocking Which, chanting By the way, Eddie. good one, guys. He was working a side job while chasing his dreams. Like, <laughs> it's still pretty good. <laughs> sick burn, bro. It's right. still good. But like, <laughs> I do it. But they're chanting things at Twins players, and you look at just they've got this brash, bravado-type personality, and their manager is getting in the faces of umpires with tighten it up. Our guys are bleeping savages. And I love Rocco Baldelli, and I think overall he's done a great job. But the Twins have more of, like, let's be honest, we have more of a passive fan base here because we constantly lose in the playoffs, and the manager is very zen-like. And it's just, it's like a pacifist team going up against an aggro team, and it shows up in the first two games. And that's why I want Nelson Cruz to hit a three-run homer, slam his bat into the ground, foam at the mouth, and scream something primal <laughs> at his teammates in the dugout. I like that. That's yeah. a great That's a great idea. And do the big cojones dance. Or maybe pull, like, line. a raw steak out of his back pocket <laughs> and just gnaw on it while he rounds the bases. Just stop. Know. Just yeah. stop at one point. <laughs> eat it. Blood running run down his face yeah. onto his jersey. All right, we will get back to Twins and uh, different primal things that Nelson Cruz can do tonight <laughs> if he hits a three-run homer. And we will definitely mix in more of your calls as we flush all of this negative energy out of our systems from the weekend that was in New York. But we do want to talk some Vikings. We want to talk about the win over the Giants yesterday and the latest on Stefan Diggs. And we'll do that when we come back. Tom Pelissero's NFL Insights. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. Can't say that Favre has ever slapped my ass. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. There's third and four. Cousins with time. Into the end zone for Thielen. Touchdown. Play fake by Cousins. He throws and wide open. Completes to Thielen who breaks a tackle. Thielen turns it into a big gainer. And then he runs into Janoris Jenkins just short of the Giants 40-yard line. Blitz coming. And a safety. Anthony Barr, the linebacker, busting through. All right, Vikings make easy work of the Giants yesterday. They get back above 500, 3-2. We'll definitely get back to our Twins discussion here later on this hour. But uh, a lot of things to talk about around the NFL yesterday. And we'll do that with our friend Tom Pelissero's NFL Insights. Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. And let's let's just start with this because the, the Vikings win. Kirk Cousins predictably plays really well. It's a noon game against uh, uh, not a very good opponent. But what is the latest that you've heard about Stefan Diggs and the Vikings? Can you give us any pertinent information? I think that the important thing to understand is that this was not something recent with Stefan Diggs. You go back through the course of the off season when he was missing times and of course that's voluntary work, but you know, he was 
missing some stuff earlier in the season prior to this week. It just kind of came to a head coming out of that game against the Bears where he doesn't show up for work on Monday, doesn't show up for work on Wednesday. They end up finding him, as I reported last week, um, did not take additional steps, did not void his guarantees, but you know, certainly you know, sent a message to him as well as to the rest of the locker room that you know that type of stuff's not going to be tolerated. But you, you got to understand, he they want him there. The Vikings want Stephon Diggs to be a part of the team. If you take him away, how much more pressure is that put on Adam Thielen on the other side? How much pressure is that put on Dalvin Cook in the backfield? Stephon Diggs is still a guy the defense have to pay attention to. Now, with Diggs and his frustration, which has been bubbling for a while, I think that people are quick to pin that on Kirk Cousins and say it's about him. Kirk Cousins was the quarterback when Stephon Diggs had his first 100-catch, 1,000-yard season. This is not about Cousins. Everybody was frustrated that Cousins missed some throws against Chicago. He came back and played well yesterday. This is about the overall the direction of the offense. It's about how Diggs fits into uh, the pecking order, so to speak. The fact that Adam Thielen is pretty clearly right now the number one receiver on this team. And these are frustrations Diggs had coming out of the week three game against the Raiders. The difference there was the rest of the team had played really, really well. He just hadn't had a whole lot of uh, opportunities. So, you know, right now it's a staring contest. He's got guaranteed money on his contract with the Vikings. They don't have to let him go anywhere. If he goes AWOL again, they can find him again. It just seems like everybody for the moment is tolerating each other, and the Vikings intend to win with the guy. So, Tom, when, when Diggs uh, d- did not show up, I believe it was for uh, select OTAs, at which point Stefan said, I was having housework done. I mean, that's tough. Was, was <laughs> that because he sensed that Kubiak's o- offense was n- going to feature the run more than he he wanted? Or why why did we have problems, or why did they have problems or um, issues with Diggs going back to the springtime, do you think? Well, it just seemed like even going back to December when there was a pretty clear shift of the type of football that they wanted to play um, with Kevin Stefanski taking over. You certainly can understand why Stefanski and Mike Zimmer and Gary Kubiak want to run that style of offense. It's proven you can have success in the league. You know, the outside zone scheme, the way you can build play action bootlegs off of it, that stuff that plays to the strengths of your quarterback. Um, and, and allowing your quarterback to do what he does best is, generally speaking, a good idea uh, in the NFL. But Certainly, if that's going to lead to fewer opportunities, fewer times that the ball's in the air, you can understand where Diggs would be coming from, where he looks at that and just says, you know, is this is this necessarily the best fit for me? Uh, but again, they go back to the fact that they gave him that contract last July. It's got a bunch of guaranteed money in it. Um, they are tied together. The Vikings hold the cards here. Anytime that a player for any team, anybody, you know, misses time, misses meetings, misses practice, you can find them. There's other steps that you can take. Uh, guys get fined in every locker room in the league, you know, relatively routinely for different things for the course of the year. Diggs is by no means an outlier, but to not show up for two days coming off of a, you know, a week four loss like the Vikings had, that part of it is a, a little unusual. And that's what kind of brought everything to where we were last week. They say winning cures all in situations like this in the NFL. Is this a situation that, that not even winning can fix between Stefan Diggs and the Vikings? Does he need to get a bigger role in the offense to be happy? Well, he only had four targets again the other day and Thielen had eight. So that would play into some of the, you know, the same sort of stuff that we're talking about. It's, it's difficult to get inside Stefan's head and I don't want to try to speak for him. So I haven't had a chance to, to speak with him directly about it. But um, the frustration you wouldn't think disappears just because they won a game. You know, let's let's still see the Vikings go out and beat a really good team here. I mean, they beat up on 
the Falcons in week one. They beat up on the Raiders, who have won two straight since then, so who knows? But they sure didn't look that good that day at the Metrodome. Or at the Metrodome. What year is it? <laughs> we all missed that place, Tom. Weekend. It's been a long weekend around here. Um, this weekend, I think, is going to be interesting because you're facing a rising Eagles team. It's a home game where you've played really well so far at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, that team can fling it around a little bit. Uh, and their weaknesses are in the secondary. You know, if you're talking about the Eagles' defense, they are strongest up front. They've had issues with their corners. They've had a lot of different injuries. Uh, is this a week where maybe there are more opportunities for Diggs out there? We'll we'll see what the game plan is. They're always going to want to be balanced. They're always going to want to run the football. But the misnomer that gets attached is, well, we better run the ball 40 times for 200 yards or we're not going to win. No, you just – you need to take advantage of the opportunities that creates, and they sure did that yesterday. Yeah. Tom Pelissero, NFL Network. This is Tom Pelissero's NFL Insight segment every Monday at 5 o'clock. I'm Mackie and Jeb with Rami. And by the way, in about two hours and 30 minutes, first pitch of Twins-Yankees Game 3 right here on Score North on AM 1500. Judd is waving his now red Homer Hankey. And uh, it's it's naturally red. It's not from uh, the blood of Twins relievers <laughs> at Yankee Stadium. But... Uh, <laughs> Just, okay then. I'm just gonna throw that out. I'm just there. gonna put the hanky away. Now. <laughs> just put that away. I'm just, just Tom. I'm putting the hanky away for you guys over there. I'm putting the hanky away there. Yeah. Yep, there. Yeah. It's off in the corner now. Yeah, Tom, I believe. It's, in fact, I'm it's kind of cry. deja vu. Except the uh, last time we sent someone to uh, New York to watch a slaughter fest and then a football game, it was you that went out there. In 2010. <laughs> I was. You know what? I was thinking the exact same thing because that was 2010, and this was coming up. Um, you know, last week because it was it was same time of year. It was October. It was the first round of the playoffs and the Vikings were amidst some turmoil because that was the week that the um, rather interesting picks of allegedly Brett Favre came out in some of the tabloids and that became a gigantic controversy Uh, that game was lightning delayed against the Jets at uh, MetLife Stadium, and so it was about 1 in the morning. Judd, I believe you were there. I was. Uh, 1 in the morning after the very long um, after the very long delay, and Favre's down there gesturing repeatedly with his uh, the hand that has his wedding ring on it as he's answering questions about anything other than the football season, and that was that was the began the downward spiral. I believe it was a couple of days after that they acquired Randy Moss to try to salvage the season. No, he, no, excuse he me, caught was, a touchdown pass. First game, he caught a touchdown pass. First game, yes. And they came out and Moss did Moss complete a pass too far, but it was an illegal formation. If I remember right, early on in that game, it was like, "Well, what a way to come back!" Okay, that's right. You can't, you can't do that. The <laughs> um, quarterback right. can't be aligned like that to uh, to make that pass. But yes, all right, all right. Now, now I'm back in sync here. It was, it was that was the first game with Moss that set the set loose the chain of events for the next three weeks, where things went down and down, and uh, eventually Moss was cut, Childers was fired, and. Um, you know, I, I don't see everything going necessarily that direction for the Vikings this season, but that was definitely the beginning of the end. Yeah. Hey, t- Teddy Bridgewater threw for 300 yards yesterday, uh, four touchdowns, one interception. In his three starts and four games so far this year, he's completing 70% of his passes. He's got a passer rating just under uh, 100. His QBR is pretty low, so there's you know, so there's probably conflicting metrics that would say different things about his performance, but... Uh, what what have you heard about Teddy Bridgewater's time in New Orleans? And if he just like if he became a free agent right now, just based on the month of football that he's played, would someone give him a bunch of money to be a starting quarterback? I mean, there's a lot of um, a lot of moving parts to this. Uh, first of all, to the way that Teddy Bridgewater has played, there's a reason Sean Payton 
did everything he could to talk Bridgewater out of signing with the Dolphins, which ends up looking like genius from oh, Bridgewater's standpoint. He could have gone there, competed to start on what's going to be one of the probably the worst teams that we've seen in recent NFL history. Instead, takes about $7 million to go back to New Orleans as Drew Brees' backup. Uh, now gets his opportunity on a really good team. Sean Payton, whatever you think of the guy, is one of the most talented offensive minds in the NFL, and I only say that because I know Vikings fans have a certain impression of him. Uh, he's, he's really smart. You know, they always have they always have three weapons. They always have a runner. They always have a receiver. They always have a tight end, and it's different guys. You know, going back to the Marcus Colston days, uh, Jimmy Graham, and now the group that they've got there. Um, you know, certainly with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara leading the way, Bridgewater slides in there. They're running a different offense. You know, people I think got on Bridgewater quickly for the way he did that first game where he took over for Breeze. Well. It's different when you're running Drew Brees' stuff. They're now running the Teddy packages, uh, and it's working out really well for them. After this season, Brees' contract is going to void. He's a little over age 40 at this point. He's going through a season where he's still rehabbing. We saw him throwing, I don't think it was an NFL-sized football, but some kind of football this past week trying to come back uh, from his thumb surgery. Um, what is Drew Brees' future? Do they sign him to one more contract, try to win with him? What does that mean with Teddy Bridgewater, who – if he continues playing this way, you talk about a twenty odd million dollar franchise tag, you're probably not giving that to him as a backup, but you know, a lot of different things you can consider there in terms of what the next steps might be. I mean if if Bridgewater got out there in free agency, what did Nick Foles get last year? Twenty two a year, somewhere yeah. around there. Um I mean, you know, Foles has been a Super Bowl MVP, has led some uh, pretty good playoff runs, but Teddy's younger. Uh he's had some really good days and he's showing. I don't know if he's He's playing exactly the way he did once upon a time. He's certainly, you know, I think he's only got 13 rush attempts so far this season. He's not running maybe the way that he was at certain points in his uh, Vikings career, but he's always been a, a pocket passer, a guy who gets the ball out. He distributes the football. That's where he's been at his best, limiting the turnovers, and that's exactly what he's doing on a Saints team that he doesn't need to carry the load because they are really talented around him. Tom, what do you make of the NFC right now? Every time a team seems to put themselves at top of the mountain, so to speak, they get knocked off. Are the Saints the the team in the NFC right now, even without Drew Brees? They seem to be the most consistent. I said this you know, when I was on Good Morning Football a few weeks ago, right after Brees' injury, and the question, I believe, was, you know, who's the one-and-one one team that you got to look out for? You know, the best-and-one-and-one best one and one team. And I said, don't overlook the Saints there. I mean, they are that talented uh, not just on offense, but you know, from Cam Jordan to Marshawn Lattimore, they traded for Kiko Alonso. They got some dudes on the defensive side of the ball too. Uh, they're certainly going to be in that mix. But uh, it seems, as you said, it's it's pretty wide open. Seattle, I mean, they're they're really good too. The way that they're wreaking havoc right now with with Jadevian Clowney joining that front, it's been impressive on defense. And obviously, Russell Wilson's playing at a really high level. This will be a good test for the 49ers tonight. They have played really well, especially on defense, which is going to surprise some people. They got some edge rushers now, um, but how do they fare now in a big game against a team with some with a lot of talent in the Cleveland Browns? I certainly think that you know the Rams, even though they're three and two and they haven't looked great at times, you can't count them out. And you know between everybody in the NFC North, I mean, we keep talking about it. The Bears got beat yesterday. Their offense has not figured it out yet. But the Vikings, when they're on, we've seen them play really well. The Lions, when they're on, we've seen them play pretty well. And the Packers, you know, you see their offense more and more. They they put up, what, four touchdowns yesterday without Devontae Adams yeah. against Dallas in Dallas? I mean, that's that's uh, you know that's no easy task to uh, 
accomplish either to say nothing of the Eagles and the Cowboys out there in the NFC East. I think it's a it's a great year to be to be looking at the NFC. Yeah. All right, Tom, before we say goodbye, we need a big prediction. Do you think this is the night that the Twins win their first playoff game in 15 years? Well, it's funny because I have a uh, 2003 Homer hanky on my desk, so I guess that was one year before. Busted that out on NFL Network the other day because Charlie Cashley wanted to talk about the big uh, Minnesota-New York game, and I had to say, do you mean game one? And then that didn't work out so well for the Twins. Uh, I'll say yes. You know what? Statistically, it's so improbable for this many groups of different people wearing the same laundry to lose this many games to the guys wearing the other laundry consecutively. It has to end at some point. I say game three. Bottom of the first. (laughs) Out on the trail. And I might even put that on the big screen with the uh, Browns on the little one tonight. Wow. That's some serious. Wow. Wow. There he is, folks. Tom Pelissero, NFL Network. Where can people find you this week? Where and when on NFL Network? Uh, we actually don't have game day morning this week, our early show, because we've got a London game bright and early. I know you'll be uh, waking up early for it, Phil. Uh, I don't actually know who's playing in that game. That would be a much better plug if I did. But uh, <laughs> Probably the Titans or something. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be on NFL Network throughout really? the week. Anyway, I'll be over there with the Vikings on uh, Thursday as well. And, of course, you can always find me on Twitter, all the various social channels. I'm buying time to tell you that Carolina, that early game is Carolina the Tampa Bay. And the Buccaneers. It's too late. It's on your network and you didn't know. We're turning you in. That's how you filibuster and make sure you get the plug in right there. All right. See you, Tom. Bye. Tom Pelissero, NFL Network. Tom Pelissero's NFL. Good morning, football fame. I love that show. Oh, it's the best. It is. I don't like what a genius creative meeting. Guys, I know what we should call it. What's that? Good morning, football. I love it. I don't have NFL Network, which I miss dearly. Why don't you have it? Because it was my favorite pregame show. I loved watching. Yeah. And I, I got I got YouTube TV, and they don't carry NFL Network. Get on that. It's not YouTube even it's TV. even an option on YouTube TV. No, really? Yeah, I, I didn't even it. think about it till NFL season rolled around. That's why I can't cut the cord. Sunday first Sunday morning, I was sitting around my apartment looking for the pregame show, and yeah. I was like, oh, I don't, I haven't had NFL Rich Network Eisen, this whole time. Yeah, the playmaker. I can't, I can't deal with that. I can't deal with that either. I need like I, I, I need I, my camera. I, I wake up on Sundays to this as an alarm. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure the gal loves that. <laughs> Time to wake up right now. Time to wake up right now. <laughs> that would be great if that was your alarm. Just flips on. And I want to switch, but now I'm in too deep with YouTube TV. I have all my shows scheduled to record. Like, you Make gotta... sure you brush your teeth. Make sure you brush your teeth. <laughs> oh. Your breath is terrible. Dum, dum, dum. Don't drink so much coffee. So you can't get out is what you're saying. I don't, I don't think I can. I mean, I could easily. They let they don't have contracts. Do, so you do can they carry any time? Do they carry uh, MLB Network? Uh yes, and, uh, and NBA TV. Oh, that's weird. I know. Okay, yeah, we've had we've had some guys holding for a long time. Oh yeah, here. Should, we, should we take a couple calls here? Yeah, we've opened up. We're, we're trying to exercise the Yankee demons here, but in order to do that, we have to flush out the bad energy. You have to harness the good. Flush out. The you're bad. just mad and Harness venting, good. and I think that's fine. Harness good. Just admit you're just upset. Flush out bad. You've been mad for seventy. He's been mad for seventy-two hours, at least. John in Manhattan. Are you a Twins fan or a Yankees fan? Are you a, are you a Yankee fan or a Twins fan? I am a Twins fan. I've got the logo. I've got the M tatted on my forearm. Okay. Um, but you're in Manhattan. I was there. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there Saturday. Yep. Um. 
and uh, and then uh, you know they they were cheering. I don't know what this like Uber thing is. I was there. I didn't hear Uber at the game. I feel like that's kind of gotten blown out of proportion. I heard it on uh, TV at one point. Yeah, it came through the TF. Yeah, there was a video that was, I don't want to say going viral, but was pretty well yeah. circulated around Twitter. It might have been the other side of the stands. I mean, either way, right they field. are definitely, they boo everything. And mm-hmm. that, I think, is what gets in the head of the Twins. Because even if even if their batter calls time, they're booing. And if you're pitching, of course, you know, they're booing, so you're going to think it's you. Uh, the, the one takeaway I've got is you look at what Tampa Bay did today. Tampa Bay got out to an early lead against the Astros, and then they kept adding on. And I think that's what the, what the Twins need to do tonight is not just get out to the early lead, keep the, keep the fans in it, but they gotta keep adding on. But what I will say, and what killed me was, I like the guy's story. I think he's a good guy. If you look back in July, we had an eight to two lead, and Kirk, and, and Kirk Cousins. Kyle Gibson uh, managed. No, that's fine. Actually, that, there's some, some major similarities yeah. there, actually. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. He managed to both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both friends with uh, Trump. So he managed to. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to go there, but you did. That's fine. Yeah. Trump called he Kirk. To pitch his way in, you know, uh, into uh, a loss. Uh, and they, you know, and that was the 14 12 game. And the thing is, is when, you're, when you got your foot on their throat, you got to keep pressing down. And I think with this series, I don't know why you let Kyle Gibson back in the series. You bring that juju into the room. Uh, and I just think they got to come out. You know, Nelson Cruz should have, you know, stakes in both his back pockets for home runs one and two. Um, and, you know, I, I just I hope this isn't the end of the road for this season. It's been too fun. Uh, but uh, and I, I don't think it is. I think I think they're going to come out and they have at least one last you know, hoorah in them uh, before, before you know, history uh, makes it abundantly clear that we are cursed. Yeah, that's John, that's a great call. We appreciate you chiming in from enemy territory, from Manhattan. The last part was the greatest. He's like, yeah, get one win and then, and then go back to being cursed. I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now, isn't it? <laughs> that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. Just, just end the streak. At fifteen, just get a win. But this is why this is why we said if you can win this series, it's so important. E- even if you go to the LCS and lose, this series is so ridiculous. The fact that you can't beat this team in a playoff game, much less a series, would be. And I, I hate to say it because it sounds so trite, but it would be cause for celebration if you can just get past parade? this franchise. Do we have a beat the Yankees it's, parade, Rami? It's damn close. <laughs> like how far off am I? And I hate this idea. How much construction's on Hennepin right now? I mean, oh, can we, can we, just, can't we just move. need like a block? You can't just a block, no, just like the Saints. You did. can't budge. <laughs> you can't budge there. We definitely meet them at the airport, right? If they if they win this series, like they shut down, they shut down the airport upon their return to Minneapolis, don't they? <laughs> the airport's basically shut down right now. <laughs> I was in line in security on Thursday for an hour plus. I meant to to get through security. Oh, it's officially shut down. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the line I was in on Thursday was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it before. What in my time life. did you get there? Because that was a pretty early flight, right? I got there. I, I had Dawn drop me off at uh, five thirty, and the flight was at six fifty nine. And I think I got through at about six ten. So the rumors are true. What I no 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 six thirty six thirty. I'm sorry. flying out of the Twin Cities. The it's terrible. Are true. Right now. It's aggressive. It's terrible right now. Why? What is what is what, what's they, they they've essentially put they closed the, the whole gate. They put yeah they they closed one of the gates out to the. Well, it's a, it's one of them's like a pre-check gate, and there, so there's one gate for the masses, 
right now to get through security. I got in line at 510, and I got through at like 615. Yeah, that's a, that's a long wait. It's a long way. And I was, and yeah, it was incredible. Am I better off just flying out of Milwaukee? You're better off just, walking. Just drive to Milwaukee? Yeah, and just just walk. Hop out, of, hop out of plane? Yeah. Just hitchhike. Go to Flying Cloud, ask a small plane, hey, going to uh, Chicago <laughs> I don't or something? mess with those small planes, man. You know what? I, I would have on Thursday. Hey, when we come back here, there are some teams, and Derek Wetmore did the research on this for scorenorth.com, there are some teams that fell down two games. And they completed the comeback. And there's one player on the roster that I believe that was part of one of those teams. So we'll we'll All see. Right. Is there any hope for the Twins okay. when we come back here? On the way to swing it, a well-hit ball to deep left field. And it is gone! Jorge Polanco with a home run about four rows deep into the seats in left. And the Twins take an early one to nothing lead. And they'll need a lot of that tonight and tomorrow. And if they can get through tonight and tomorrow again on Thursday, but let's just start with tonight. Let's start with tonight, twins. Just you don't want to go for tomorrow. You don't want to think about tomorrow or possibly game five on Thursday after they've lost the first two. One game at a time. Cliche holds true. One pitch at a time at this point, guys. One pitch at a time. I would say even just like you know one practice. What what are those called? Where you're like kind of waving your bat? Practice hack. Practice hack. Yeah. I encourage the fans to be loud, rowdy. You know what? Stand up. Even stand. I know. I know I'm going out on a limb here, but stand up. Yeah. I At think times like, you don't normally stand up. Twins fans in general just need to be a little bit more rude. Yes. Starting tonight. To each other or? No, to the Yankees. Okay. Yeah, to the opponent. There's no to reason the not umpires, to be. the umpires, to the Yankees. Yeah, boo. And to anybody who's asked you to so sit polite. down. I say be rude to anybody who asks you to sit down. I can't yeah. stand those people. That actually, that actually does happen. It's like that happened in 2010 at Target. Field. I know. Yeah. That was a common occurrence what? at Bucks games, at Brewers really? games, and I lived in Milwaukee. Yes. In the Metrodome during playoff games and at Packers World games, Series, people did not sit down. Because you have a bunch of octogenarians at Packers games who have had those season tickets their entire lives. That's a and great word, by the way. They do not, I know I like to use it whenever I can. They do good. not want to stand up for any reason. Well, too bad then. We'll let you know about it. Well, you know what? If you don't if you don't want to stand up, there's an option. Don't go. It's called your couch. Right. But the Metrodome, they stood up, they were loud. It was a it mm, was they were warm. There was a Detroit Tiger player in the eighty seven ALCS, you guys, who threw up in the dugout it got so loud. He was overcome. Over by, he vomited. It by, was so loud. By the noise? Yes. So you're telling me a, a roof can hold in noise? And make an atmosphere louder but and you more could, difficult to play in you, for the opposing team. But you don't need that. You can do it outside too. It's, you can make it's noise. not going to get as loud. No, but you can you be rude. Hold that Phil's noise right. In there. You Phil's wanna, right. You know what? Tonight for one night, just say screw it. You want to put a, you want to put a roof on it. And get, get all it over the Yankees. Get all over Aaron Boone. If he comes out there, go after him. I, I don't mean run on the field because you get arrested for that. But go after him verbally. Don't swear. No, you can swear. Can you? I'm authorizing you to swear. Oh, okay. For, yeah. for tonight only. Tonight, just, tonight just to one, break this it's one. That's a one night only swearing for the rest of October. I've got some teams that were down 0-2 and overcame it to throw at you here. But Mike in Burnsville has been on hold for like almost an hour. Mike, sorry for keeping you on hold there, but the floor is yours. We are flushing out Twins frustrations here before Game 3 tonight. Hey, I've been, I've been listening to you guys since, since, since the beginning, and I think this is, is going to be the first one of these I've ever heard. I was on hold so long 
like uh, Dee Dee DeGlorious finally finished his disco dance baton, baton twirling exhibition uh, while that Grand Slam was in the air. Did you guys see that? You know what? When you hit a ball like that in you a situation like that, baton twirl? you can do whatever the hell you want. I was not offended by that at all. You know, it's just funny because to me it just shows how much the game has changed in the last 20, 25 years. Can yep. you... Can you guys imagine if someone like Pedro Martinez was on the mound what the first pitch of his next at bat would have been? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, if you're the twins, this is, this is another thing, too. I would have, I, most of the time, I think this stuff is just ridiculous and dumb. But if I'm Rocco Baldelli after the twins are down seven to nothing in that game, I would have found a spot to just like, Get ejected and fight, just just something like just this is ridiculous. Let's change Fire this up. up. The team and and I think that ninety nine times out of a hundred, it's just ridiculous when when managers do that. But I don't know. I think desperate times. Yeah. What do you got to lose at that point? Yeah. So. I was also a little taken back when I first called in because it sounds like Jonathan has a little bit of the. Uh, Day after Loon's lost one nil blues, he's usually so happy when he answers the phone. Are you sad, Jonathan? You're right. That, they, that they they blew the chance to get the two seed. It was a disappointing way to end the season. They lost. Yeah, they lost. Oh, one, I thought no. they won to get the home game. No home yeah. match. No, they lost, and Christian least, Ramirez Judd, saved them. Last but not least, Judd, don't you give up on that wild club yet? <laughs> Why not? I'm just kidding. I already did give up. Thank you. Okay, appreciate that. <laughs> I feel better now. We're on the same page. All right, bye, Mike. Thanks for calling. That's some uh, good good advice for us. Well, I think the Wild are doing exactly what they should be doing, which is lose and get a high draft. Oh pick. no, no, yeah, but, they're doing they're doing exactly what, what we all thought they would do. But not he, here are the teams that fell down o yes. two in recent years, overcame the o two deficit, and won their series. The 2012 San Francisco Giants. Trailed the Cincinnati Reds two to nothing. If you guys remember, I believe this was Game Three when the Giants were losing, and it was uh, Hunter Pence who gave the famous dugout pep talk, like between one of the innings, like you would see in a high school game, like Nelson Cruz did after Game Two. But Nelson Cruz did it after a loss in the clubhouse. Hunter Pence did it in the dugout in the middle of a game, if I'm not mistaken. And they turn it around. They beat the Cincinnati Reds. Now, the 2012 Cincinnati Reds, not exactly the same lineup and team overall as the 2019 Yankees. So I'm not sure if you can make that comparison apples to apples. Here's another famous example. The 2015 Blue Jays. That was the Joey Bats bat flip, if you guys remember. What a great game. They were down two games to none against the Kansas City Royals. And they came all the way back. In Game 5, the teams were knotted at 3-3 in the seventh inning. When Jose Batista came to the plate against Sam Dyson, who was a Rangers reliever at the time, and uh, hit one of the most prolific and famous home runs in recent postseason history. And then the other time it happened recently, the New York Yankees fell down two games to nothing in 2017 against the Cleveland Indians, and they came all the way back mm-hmm. in uh, Game 5. Didi Grores hit two home runs, including one in the first inning to get the scoring started, and CC Sabathia pitched well enough to get the win. So... You know, none it of those, can be done. None of those teams that were defeated were nearly as powerful and good as this Yankees lineup is. But those are three examples. And the 2012 uh, Giants example, Sergio Romo was probably their best reliever on that team. So he's been through it before. I don't know. Maybe they can uh, Skype in Sam Dyson and see what he learned. Yeah, in, that's going to uh, do. That'll do a lot of good. Losing a series. He's probably yeah. back here by now. No, I, I, he was Instagramming from his couch during Game One. No, but he stayed here. Oh, did he? Okay. And so he he was Instagramming or Snuckles the cat was Instagramming during game one? Yeah, it was pictures of his cat is what it was. So it was Snuckles. Yeah. You don't know that Sam doing that. <laughs> Snuckles has bad paw. 
Does he? Yeah, it turned out he had a bad paw for like a year, and they oh, didn't no. know about it. Yeah, they, they acquired a pitcher with a bad paw. Wow. It's going to require surgery. Sorry. Some Tomcat surgery? <laughs> Tomcat was the first one, 1974. <laughs> Revolutionary. It revolutionized cat surgeries. Did Ron Lacuni just hit a double off Carlos Martinez? Because he's quickly becoming my favorite baseball player just for okay. how much he pisses off Carlos Martinez and the Cardinals. I'm so jealous watching the Braves right now. Like the Braves, the Braves have this amazing young crop of young players. They're all healthy right now. Yep. They're they're well, they're tied right now, but if they win this game, they they beat the Cardinals. <laughs> so advance to the NLCS. <laughs> how dare he? The disrespect for the game. Yeah, that kid is phenomenal. Somebody throw, How dare he show emotion in a huge baseball game? Somebody October. throw something at that man's head immediately. Carlos Martinez will. Don't worry about it. Let's check in with Patrick Royce when we come back here. It's Mackie and Joe with Rami on the all-new Score North. Pat's at the ballpark, right? And the Score North mobile app. Uh, yeah, Pat is... And Pat also is going to be our unofficial official pregame show because Royce on baseball did almost a half hour with Tom Kelly Ooh. earlier today that you're going to hear between 6 o'clock Beauty. and 7 o'clock. So we'll talk Twins, Yankees, when we come back. Twins, Yankees, first pitch in two hours right here on Score North on AM 1500. Time for the Score North download. Jonathan here with this hour's download that's brought to you by the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Uh, After his three-catch, 44-yard performance Sunday for the Vikings, Stefan Diggs talked about what it'll take for this offense to succeed and then how he'll be as a teammate going forward. Here's what he said. As far as like a narrative being built, as far as like uh, anything outside of I've been a team guy, that can be that can't be justified because I've never been that. You know, since I've been here, I always celebrate with my teammates. I'm always happy for them. I'm always encouraging. You know, that's why we got a little inside handshakes and all that kind of stuff. But uh, for me, that's just part of being me. I don't have to be nobody but be myself. And uh, I'm not trying to prove a point for nobody. So. That's Stefan Diggs talking about being a good teammate. Vikings fans, do you believe he will continue being a good teammate going forward? Or is there more of what we got last week to come? Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter. Booth space, booth space is available for the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Early bird pricing ends December 1st. Interact with Minnesota golfers at the largest golf show in the region. Go to minnesotagolfshow.com and click on Exhibitor Info. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Jared with Rami. Thank you, sir. It's time to wrap with Royce from the TCL Broadcast Studios. And Patrick, I take it you're at Target Field, so I am at Target Field. What's going on? How, how is the? I I saw a tweet. Nelson Cruz addressed the team after Game Two, so I'm yeah. I'm guessing that it's all fine going into tonight. Is that correct? Well, I suppose Nelson said, you know, our pitching stinks, and there's nothing <laughs> we can do about it. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, addressing the team is uh, good luck, but. Uh, you know, this is a utter mismatch. So the Yankees, uh, you know, I don't know why we were trying to, you know, I guess, as I told you guys when I talked to you Friday, let me watch Jose Barrios pitch against these guys before I tell you if they even have an outside chance. And, uh, you know, when he, uh, when they didn't give him help and they let him leave in the, after four innings, uh, you know, you just, okay, now where's the pitching coming from after that? I just, and plus, the Yankees are better than I thought. I told the guy I was on this morning uh, or this afternoon with Rami and and Derek for a while, and, and they're they're good. And they're good. That lineup's really much better than I thought it was. Yeah, but even though, and and I'll, let's say we give you all of that, and the gap was wider than we thought, and and here we are. 
the, the Yankees have always been better than the Twins. In all of these playoff matchups, yeah. they've been better than the yeah. Twins. Yeah. But it's still baseball, and the Twins are still yeah. good, and it doesn't make sense to lose 15 consecutive playoff games and 12 to the Yankees. It's, no, it's so... No, the 12 is low. I, I, I just read something that I said... You know, admittedly, it's a little spooky to lose 12, uh, 12 straight in a sport where 12 straight doesn't happen in anything. You know, you don't get 12 straight hits. You don't get, you know, you don't get 12 straight anything in baseball. And to lose 12 straight games is alarming. But, uh, you know, I was just going back and looking at 2010. And, you know, the way everybody was fired up here, the Twins were playing the Yankees. They had home field, uh, home you know, in the new target field. and uh, But they also had Phil Hughes, who was coming off an 18-8 season, and CC Sabathia and Andy Pettit and Mariano to finish, and uh, A-Rod with 125 RBIs, and, uh, you know, Cano with 109, and uh, Deshera with 108, and Jeter, <laughs> and, and Swisher at 89, and just said, and I'm thinking, why did we think we were going to win? <laughs> Why yeah. did we think the Twins were going to win? You know, I mean, it's these. I mean, it could happen. But look at the Rays; they knocked the hell out of Grinky today. It could happen, but uh, it's uh, you know, the, there there is no jinx going on here. Or hacks the Yankees are just you know, but this team is you know as as great as Houston is with those two uh, starters. I think the Yankees got an outside shot at them. How different would this series be if Michael Pineda was pitching? None. Really? Because uh, he is a guy who, uh, I mean, yeah, you'd be more competitive. You'd have a competitive starter. But he's a guy that relies on people to chase uh, sliders off the plate. And uh, these boys just wait for a fastball. You know, they just they just let the umpire call all those pitches balls and then wait for you to throw them a fastball and then, they jump out of their shoes. So that's that's basically uh, what's going on. What was the number I gave you, Phil, on the number of pitches? Three what? Three, like 330 pitches in, in the 14 yeah. innings. In, in the 14, the first 14 innings of the series. 25 innings, 24 and a half any pitches in any. Uh, you got to go after them and just, you know, if somebody is going to hit a home run, there's nothing you can do about it. But you can't mess around because... You're messing around with guys who aren't going to swing. Yeah, smelt right. through deep through. He fairly well threw it over. And somehow got him out. Now they might have been bored by that. Too. I don't know. <laughs> you might be right. What, what's your faith in uh, Jake tonight, Patrick? Mm-hmm. Oh, he'll, you know he's had a good year. He's uh, yeah. he's been better than I thought. I mean, last year he was my God, get him out of here. And now uh, I think he'll, you know, he will throw it over. The trouble is he managed to set up hitters and then get them to swing and miss at that high fastball. And Maybe he can get these guys to go after a high fastball. You can, what you do is you, you can't get them to chase a bad breaking ball, it doesn't seem, but maybe you can get them, maybe you can get them up a little out of the strike zone, Stanton and, uh, and, and Garcia and Carnacion and some of those guys. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. It's uh, you know, it's uh, it's a bigger ballpark. But uh, if he pitches uh, very well tonight, and uh, they get beat three to two, there's going to be a lot of second, with a lot more second guesses about not pitching him in game two. But, yeah, uh, you, you only scored two runs in that game, so how are you going to win it anyway? Even if you pitch over Richards, right? That's the thing. I mean, 
ultimately, this lineup, and this was the formula going in, they know they have to score eight runs. They have to score eight runs, and they, they have to score eight runs tonight. If they want to win, they have to score eight runs or more. And they aren't seeing too many fastballs either, are they? No. I mean, they're, they're, they're throwing a lot of breaking balls. Eddie Rosario's a mess. He's, you know, I think Eddie's been screwed up for months, really. He's had a couple of hot streaks, and hell, he ended up driving in 109 runs or something. Hey, so, Pat, but I, what, I why, why, oh, that's true. So why is he batting fourth still? Why why don't you change because that? You got a right hander. You got a right hander pitching probably is the reason. You know, tonight you know, I would I would think uh, you know he's the guy that hit the home run off Severino two years ago to give him that that head start against him. So I suppose they figure that as crazy as he is, maybe uh, they they'll throw him a pitch that he can reach and he'll hit it. But I would bet if a lefty was pitching, he wouldn't be hitting fourth tonight. But who knows? Rocco doesn't change much, as Rocco's proud to say. Would you change much? I mean, other than Rosario, is there anything that they could do differently moving forward here no, that you think could no, make a difference? No, 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 no. I mean, this lineup is, you know, if, if you know, if next time they face a lefty, if they win, I let Scope take a shot at it. But uh, uh, beyond that, Scoop, Scope, whatever the hell his name is. Uh, <laughs> but no, not really. I don't... Uh, I, I don't think there's anything to change. I just think that you gotta, you know, you gotta do what uh, Tampa did today and jump somebody. And you know, Severino's got better stuff than Greggy, but uh, Greggy must have felt like a like a day off compared to facing those other two guys. Huh? Oh my god! Ninety mile an hour fastball, but anyway. Yeah, hey, I want to the Dicks, I want to answer the uh, question Jonathan asked in the. Uh, in the in the preceding here, well, uh, Stefan, do, do do we think that Stefan Diggs is going to uh, become a, uh, a a perfect gentleman and uh, follow all the uh, Vikings orders and not raise any hell the rest of the year? And my response is no, I don't think that. <laughs> what do you think's next? What do you think he does next? Oh, you're the Stefan Diggs whisperer. You predicted the you predicted the first yeah. disgruntled. Outburst. I think he walks off the field early. Randy Boss like Really? <laughs> wow. Their ass kicked somewhere. When they're getting their ass kicked somewhere. Two hundred thousand dollars, boys. Two hundred thousand. I would say is maybe they said to him, Okay, we're fining you two hundred thousand dollars. And if you don't act like a jackass the rest of the year, we'll give it we'll we'll, we'll rescind it. But uh something like that. They must have done something to uh because, uh, I don't know, you were in the locker room, Judd. He apparently wasn't, uh, he was trying to act halfway jovial yesterday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it, it was fine, except for your, the, we never should have said that this guy is not a diva. That was my mistake. Oh, he's an easy to handle wide receiver. There's no such thing. I should have known. I, I also that. don't think all the wires are tightly connected. When he starts talking, uh, like uh, they, they, it doesn't make sense a lot of the times what he's saying. It, it, they're not, you know, he's not, you know. There's a there's a the wrong voltage, you know. You got a nine volt battery trying to meet a, a double A. Or What's Rosario then? No, I think Eddie, Eddie's, you know. He just empty, I think. He's just kind of going through life, having a good time. And, and uh, you know, 
it's it is funny though when this series is over he might have sworn at more non-strikes than the entire yankee lineup <laughs> i love the one the other day when uh they threw five balls to Miguel and struck him out on three pitches. Yeah. He was two and all, and he threw it the next three balls, three non non strikes to strike out. That was that was old Miguel right there. That was old fashioned Miguel right there, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, Let him it was. walk you. They want to walk you, Miguel, but uh, you know he wouldn't do it. So, yeah, Pat, give anyway. us uh, give us your best. You you and Tom Kelly had a conversation earlier that our listeners are going to be able to hear leading up to uh, uh, Twins Yankees. Fantastic. It's uh, go go listen to Kelly. It's 21 minutes. You're gonna have time before the game. Some great stories about playing in Yankee Stadium when Paul O'Neill and those guys were there. And a couple of great quips about Paul O'Neill and Yankees complaining to the umpires. And uh, one of the things he said is those umpires find it a lot easier to say ball than strike in Yankee Stadium when yeah. the Yankees were batting. So uh, yeah, it's really good. And uh, a couple other stories about you know. Managing in the minor leagues and stuff like that. Great, great Herbeck story in there too. So cool. That's, go for it. That's com- coming and up. We got Timmy K too. We got Timmy K too. So awesome. Go for it. All right, Pat. See we'll see. We'll see. Yep. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, and you can hear that Royce on baseball between six and seven o'clock, leading up to Twins Yankees. All tonight. the wires aren't connected tightly. It's a nice way to put it. <laughs> Speaking of wires not connected tightly, have you guys seen what's going on at Target Field? There's a power yeah. outage in the Yankees clubhouse. I'd feel more comfortable if there was a power really? outage in the Yankees lineup whoa, than whoa, in the clubhouse. Really? But, yes. In a 10-year-old ballpark, huh? Yeah. It just so happens that before an ALDS game, the power goes out. You know what? Good. I like it. Good. If this was done intentionally, I like it. Dave St. Peter personally took the Clippers. <laughs> personally took the Clippers to the wiring and said, we'll fix this later, boys. You couldn't just go to like the, no, he took the a, breaker and flip off a no, switch? No, he cut the wires. Wow. No, this this is this means business. That's drastic. Because the breaker can be switched back on, but if the wires are cut, you're gonna have to repair them. Yeah, <laughs> they'll get to them eventually. Yeah, this is like are you? Judd hasn't seen a Bond movie. Are you a James Bond movie guy at all? Uh, I haven't seen any of the most recent incarnation of James Bond. Oh, none of the Daniel Craig ones. No, Those no. might be the best ones. Yeah, no, that's what I keep hearing. There's one where you're gonna have to binge at one point. I think it might be Spectre. Where spoiler alert, he just like he's kind of he just is downtrodden. He's getting smoked by the enemy. He decides to take it old school to this old, abandoned, no electricity place to stage the fight. Let's so do, bring like, the fight. It's like Rocky Four going out to the middle of yeah. Siberia and doing pull-ups. Turn on the power okay. out. If you got to roll up the sleeves and play dirty, play dirty. Carrying giant logs. Cold water in the shower. That's what I was going to say. You know? What's next? Hot water off. Yeah. Now, that doesn't help you. I mean, it, no, that, but that just might make help them you for game four. Just make them feel <laughs> uncomfortable. Some guys take pregame showers. Nelson Cruz apparently was on his way for a pregame nap like a half hour ago, according to Lavelle O'Neill from the Star I endorse 100%. Oh, the, the nap thing is the oh, greatest idea of all great. time. Yesterday, Nothing like a nap. Yesterday Somebody argued that like, the Twins lineup was napping uh, during the game on Saturday. Oh, yesterday right. I took like so, a 40-minute nap during the Packers-Cowboys game. My football watching the rest of the day was just on point, dude. Just like, dialed? I did not miss, miss a thing. Um, during but, your nap. What'd you miss? Like the second quarter of Packers and Cowboys. Oh, so yeah, like okay. two of those Aaron Jones touchdowns. Yeah, I missed a couple touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you were just mentally that. locked in for oh, that night game last dude, night. Dude, I was so locked Colts, in. Colts, Chiefs. Yeah. Some bad calls I heard, huh? Collar told me there's some very bad calls in that game. And Colts, Chiefs? Colts, there's Chiefs, bad sure. calls in every NFL game. Giants, Vikings. They got two calls right. Both those PIs challenged. Uh-uh. Upheld. That's how the league right. should operate. Twins, Yankees, tonight. 
You'll hear it here on Score North, and we'll dissect whatever happens tomorrow. A post game. Don't yeah. forget post game. I'll be back. Too, That's right. We'll do up the brakes a little bit.